Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. Your Bible, your iPad, your phone. Uh, look at your neighbor's Bible uh, if you have to. If they got a phone, act like you're looking at their Bible just to make sure they're not scrolling through social media for me. So again, Mark chapter 14. Let me set this up for just a moment. Last week we talked about Palm Sunday. We talked about the fact that they came into town and people were shouting the name of Hosanna. The Messiah has come. Our deliverer is here. And then a week later they're yelling, crucify him. Crucify him. We've had the moment in the garden where Jesus has gone to pray. The disciples are there. He told them before he even started praying, when they, when they strike the shepherd, the, the sheep will flee. He already told them. That when this moment happens, you're going you're gonna to dip. You're going you're gonna to run out on me. And I just want you to know, when I come back to life, I'll meet you in Galilee. I'm not going to hold it against you. And so the moment comes, Judas and his homies come walking in. They're like, it's time to do this. He steps up, kisses Jesus on the cheek, and then they turn and they go. And I mean, as soon as that kiss happened, those disciples were like, deuces. Those disciples were like some of your friend groups when, the, when it got real hard in your life and you turn around to see who's still standing with you and they've already gone. Out. Deuces. So they're gone. And then so there's one that remained. His name was Peter. His name was Peter. But Peter didn't remain with Jesus in handcuffs like he said he would. He followed from afar. He followed from afar. So I want to read this to you in Mark chapter 14, and then we'll flip over and I'll read it to you from Luke. It's throughout the Gospels. Each of these Gospels are a vantage point from other people. A lot of people are like, why did they say it differently there than there? If I told all, if all of you in this room described how service went today, you would all have the same picture, but it would be in different colors. See what I'm saying? You would use different words, terminology. One, because your, your education might be higher than mine or others. Um, you might know how to describe things. You might be a writer. Like That's why the Gospels, when you begin to read them and see different things in the stories, that's why. That's why, okay? So, Mark chapter 14, starting in verse 66. Towards the end, Peter denies Jesus. And as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came and seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also were with the Nazarene Jesus. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. He played dumb. Anybody in the room ever played dumb before? Uh-huh. As you are now. No, I didn't. What? <laughs> Not me. <laughs> and he went out in the gateway and the rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him and began to say to the bystanders, This man is one of them. But again, he denied it. And after a little while, the bystanders again said to Peter, Certainly you're one of them, for you're Galilean. But he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear... I do not know this man of whom you speak. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time, and Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. Flipping over to Luke chapter 22, I'm just going to read it for you, if you'll just kind of lean in and listen to me. It says, Then they seized him and led him away. This is Luke 22:54. if you're taking notes. Then they seized him and led him away bringing him into the high priest's house, and Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, This man also was with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. 
And a little later, someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them. But Peter said, man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, certainly this man also was with him, for he too is Galilean. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Lord, I pray over your word today. I pray, God, that they would hear your words and not mine. Words of, 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 um, of, of conviction, words that challenge us, words that will change us, God, but words that will restore us. Lord, I just pray that as I begin to speak, our spirit mans will be open to hear and our hearts will begin to pound in our chest. And if there is, I know there is many under the sign of my voice that this word is for. I pray against the enemy. I pray against distractions in the room today, God. And I am praying that you will show up in a mighty way through your word. And we just give you the praise and the glory for it on. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Let me unpack this for just a moment. Peter is like the main disciple. Jesus had 12, but there were only a few that were very close to Jesus. Okay, Even in the midst of 12, there were about three of them that were really close, and Peter was one of those. Jesus had actually given him this name, Peter. Cephas in the Bible says Cephas meant rock. And he said, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This Peter that I just read about that denied Jesus is the very one that had his name changed by Jesus. This is the Peter that we're talking about. But if you, and, and, and I want to pause in the story for just a second. If I fast forward to the book of Acts, you'll see that Peter preaches the first church message and 3,000 3, people come to know Jesus through that message. So I want you to hear that. No matter where you're at in your journey or your story right now, Jesus can redeem it. Jesus can change what the enemy tried to write and rewrite it for good. He can bring you back to a place. One thing that the Lord is really trying to teach me right now is to enjoy the journey. You have to go through journeys time at, at times. You have to go through valleys, mountains in our lives. There are days it's all good. There's days that it's all bad. There are days that you don't even know what kind of day it was. You're just glad it's over. That's the reason I love the name of our church is because, ladies and gentlemen, under the sound of my voice, we're all on a journey. We are all heading towards eternity. For some, it's with Jesus. For others, it is not. And it does not matter where you're at in the journey, we all end up at the same place. So if you've been on this journey for 40 years, you are no greater than the one that's been on it for, since Friday night at the egg hunt. Because we've all been bought by a price that we didn't have to pay. Everyone's price tag was the life of Jesus. Everyone's price tag was the same. No one costs more than anybody else. So if you're in this room and you say, no, you don't know the sin I did, it cost Jesus' life. It cost his blood. That is what it cost to buy your salvation. So don't let the enemy lie to you and tell you that that sin that you've committed is too much. That the price is too high because that price has already been paid. But you've got to begin to learn how to value the journey. The Lord is wanting you to understand. Listen, some of you in this room don't want to remember the journey. Some of you are in a journey. And I'm about to explain Peter's journey to you in just a moment. But I need you to hear me today that wherever you're at in your journey, Jesus sees you and he wants to redeem it. Getting, we've got to value that process. We've got to value those things 
that have happened. So many would wish some things had not happened to you, but most of you would not be who you are today if you would not gone through that journey. Some of you strong ladies in the room had to go through that journey to be who you are today. And I hate that those things happened, and I, th- I hate that that journey came, but the beautiful thing about Jesus is that thing that was meant to destroy you made you stronger. He made you who you are. Jesus can redeem that thing. Gentlemen in the room, pride, the pride journey that we're on, the things that we try to hold on our shoulders and and carry, he's saying, yes, you have come to this place and some of you have fallen flat. You've you've fallen flat in your marriage. You've fallen flat at your workplace. You've fallen flat at just supplying your everyday things and your pride is hurt and Jesus is saying, I want to change that. And he has changed that, and it's brought you to where you are. Sometimes we don't want to go on those journeys while we're in the middle of it. But when you get to the end of it, there is nothing that most of us would trade for the journey we just walked through because of who we are because of it. You've got to remember and value the journey. A lot of people in the room can relate to Peter. Let me, let me explain you how you can relate. He was a hothead. Peter was a hothead. They, they arrest Jesus. He's pulling swords, cutting ears off. Some of you cut ears off for fun. And I'm not meaning in real life. I'm talking about with your tongue. Slicing and dicing. Peter was in one of the greatest moments in Scripture. I wish I could have traded places with Peter at this moment. He went to the mount where transfiguration happened in Jesus. There was only three disciples that made it. And he goes up there and Jesus begins to shine so bright. And then before them appears Elijah and Moses. Come on, man. Jesus, Elijah, and Moses standing right there. We all is like Peter. Y'all ain't going to believe this. (laughs) But Peter in this incredible moment goes, Jesus, it's so good that we're here. We can build you tents so y'all can stay here forever. And then in God fashion, the cloud comes down, slaps Peter and says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Everything he says, do. And they fell on their faces and began to glorify Jesus. Have you ever been in a God moment and all you want to do is like video it or go, Jesus, I'm glad I'm here. (laughs) I know you didn't think about this, but can I just tell you what I think? That's Peter. That's who Peter is. Peter was loyal to a point. He was loyal till the rubber met the road. Some of us in this room have been those people. You've been so loyal to people that stand next to you until it starts to get a little hard, and then you're like, I mean, I didn't say I was going to be there through everything. I just said on the good days, I was going to ride your tailwind. (laughs) Peter is so relatable to a lot of us in this room. He had questions. He always asked questions. He always did these things. He took a step of faith and left everything to go follow Jesus. So many in this room have made that step to walk away from your life and step into the things of Jesus. We can relate to Peter. But in this passage of Scripture, we see a totally different Peter. We see a man that isn't loyal. We see a man that just a few verses ahead said, I will go with you to prison and to death. They can arrest me and kill me too, Jesus. That that kind of faith, when that that faith needed to step forward, he didn't have it. 
He didn't have it. And some of us in this room have been in that place where you needed to front up the faith. You didn't have it in that moment. That's why you need to lean in today. But we see a totally different Peter. He's afraid. He does not want to be identified as a follower of Jesus. Y'all realize he left everything he ever did, his entire family, to follow this man. But in this instance, he did not want to be identified that way. So enter the first fire. I wanted to have these here so you can have a visual picture. So that you can have a mental picture in your mind that as, G, as Peter crept around and he was just kind of warming himself over the fire, the book of John tells us that it was a charcoal fire. Okay, I have wood in this. If you saw it, you literalist, uh, people were very literal in the room. It is wood, not charcoal, but in the Bible it was a charcoal fire. Okay, everybody understand? Just remember that for a moment, okay? So Peter's here warming himself over this fire. This first fire represents the denial of Jesus. A lot of us have been around this fire. A lot of us in this room have stood here being identified by people in our lives as, you're one of those people. You're that person that loves Jesus. You said you were different. And while that fire is there, we start going, no, man, I don't know who you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't, I don't follow that man. And we might not have said it with our words, but we did with our actions. He's standing there, and he has is, he is, he is said that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to prison for you. Listen, so many times we pinpoint Judas because he did it for 30 pieces of silver. Peter did it to save his own neck. He didn't even get paid to deny Jesus. So we put Judas on this big thing, and Peter's in the midst of the greatest moment that he can stand up and say, I put my faith where my mouth is. And in that moment, some of us in the room have been there. Your faith, it's time to mount it up. And you said, I ain't got it. I ain't got it. So many people are related to this fire. So many people are tied into this fire of denial that that ain't me. Pastor, that ain't me. Friend, that ain't me. Husband, wife, that ain't me. Friends at school, that ain't me. I'm only that when y'all don't bring me around this fire. When you don't call me to the carpet. So he's around and he denies. Then again, he's, no, hey, aren't you one of those? No, it's not me. Then they say, no, you are one because you talk like he does. You've stood here and I've heard you talk and I've heard the speech that's come out of your mouth. You talk just like he does. Then he flips the whole script. Then he begins to put curses on himself and swears. He changes his whole identity to try to let everybody know, I'm not that man. And I'm so passionate right now because so many people leave the church with a redeemed mouth and a redeemed mindset. But when you get back into a moment where somebody begins to call you out on it, you flip it back so that you can identify, no, if me saying it, let me show you then that I'm not who you think I am. Let me show you. And this might not be to people around you. It might even be before the Lord. Jesus is there the whole time. He's hearing this. I read it to you that he turned and looked at Peter. And we'll talk about that more in a moment. So this isn't just, well, pastor, you're talking about denying it to other people. I'm just talking about to Jesus, period. With our actions and with our life. Some of us today have been around the fire of denial. We've been identified, but to save face with those around us, we've denied. We've even changed our behaviors to prove we are not who they think we are. 
we have to realize that these fires come up every day. These moments to set yourself apart from those around you and day after day we leave these fires knowing we didn't respond in the manner that we should have. It says in Luke, as I mentioned earlier, that as he denied him that last time, as the fire's there and he's warming himself, it says that Jesus, the Lord, looked at Peter. The eyes that looked into his eyes and called him out, the eyes that he had seen grace and love in, the eyes that saw him at his weakest places and brought him back to his strongest places, the eyes that had come to redeem his soul, those eyes looked back at Peter. Mm. He looked right at him, and Peter looked up. And as I was preparing this message, I wanted to lean on that look so hard about the look of disappointment and the look of heartache and how he saw it. And then when he comes to redemption, he saw eyes of love. And I'm, I'm typing out the message and the Holy Spirit goes, you need to slow down. And I said, what are you talking about? He goes, that wasn't a look of disappointment. Why do you say that, Pastor? Because verses before Jesus said, the devil wants to sift you like wheat. And I have prayed that when you return, I know it's coming. I ain't going to be disappointed. Jesus wasn't giving a look of disappointment. Those in this room that are so ashamed, he's not disappointed. He's hurt and he's broken for you, but it's not a gaze of disappointment in his eyes. It's not even a look of, I told you so. I believe in that moment, Jesus was going, look at me, it's okay. It's okay, look at me. Look at me, it's okay. It's all right, I, I told you this. Woo! I told you this. I knew this was coming, Peter, don't look away. Don't look away from me. I want you to see that I still believe in you. And for some in the room today, just like Peter, you are blinded. He was blinded by shame. He was blinded by shame and he ran the other direction. He ran blinded by shame. So many of us in this room have walked out on Jesus and we don't even want to look his way anymore. Because we feel like it's going to be a gaze of shame. A, a gaze of disappointment. Have you ever look somebody in the eyes when they're disappointed in you? Uh, some of you in this room, y'all are like, <laughs> y'all are stone-hearted and it doesn't matter what looks at you. You don't care. <laughs> but for me, my parents didn't have to whoop me much. Can I tell you why all they had to go was, I'm so disappointed in you. <laughs> Please whip me instead. I don't care. But the very man that said, you're the rock I'm going to build my church on, denied him. And he looked at him. He's like, look at me. It's okay. I told you this. I've prayed for you that when you return, that when you return, you will strengthen your brothers and your sisters. For some of you in the room today, you're not only around this fire, you're running in shame. You've got blinders on to the eyes that want to catch your attention again. And say, I knew it was coming. That's why I paid the price. You were going to be sifted like wheat. But I have prayed that when you return, you will strengthen your brothers and your sisters. So as Peter runs out, just as many of us do, it says, if you pay attention to the scriptures and begin to read where Jesus found him, he was doing what he did before Jesus. Peter went right back to what he did before Jesus. Well, that thing for Jesus didn't work out. Let me just go back to what I know. 
Jesus had to have been wrong. He had to have been wrong to have called me out from that place and send me over here. I'm, you know what? I'm just going to go back to what I know. I'm good at it. I'm good at it. That's my life. That's what I'm going to do. And many in the church run away from this new life that God's called you to, and you revert back to the things that you're comfortable with. Forgetting. You, you come on. You know having to do those nets every day was so boring. You know having to smell like fish every day just disgusted Peter. You know he stood on that ship throwing those nets out one day going, man, I wish something better would come along. And here came a man named Jesus and said, hey, brother, I'm calling you to be fisher of men. Come, follow me. And he said, say less. And he stepped out of that boat real quick. It's the same thing for a lot of people in this room. You were walking in this life and you're going, there's got to be something better. There's got to be something that I can be called to because what I'm doing now has no fulfillment, brings nothing into my life. And Jesus walked along one day and said, hey, come follow me. And you stepped out and you said, oh, this is so great. But in a moment where the enemy thought he could get you around a fire and blind you with shame, you ran back to the things that were meticulous and boring and that you hated, that you forgot about. I want to follow a man that does miracles. I want to follow a man that came to pay a price for me. I want to see Jesus' eye. I want to see him do it all. I want to follow him wherever he may go. I don't want to go back to fishing. I don't want to go back to the ways of the things that I did before Jesus. You hit that place in your life. And listen, when I say calling, I, I kind of hit on the calling. He ran from the calling on his life. The calling isn't just ministry. The call, when I say the call of God on your life, the first call of God on your life is a relationship with him. That's the first most important, and I'll prove that to you in just a moment. But the first most important calling of your life is a relationship with Jesus, and he ran from that. And Jesus and God is wanting to call you back to that place. Do not allow shame and embarrassment to blind you anymore. Mm. Mm. So let me introduce you to fire number two. This fire is different. In ways it's different. In ways it's the same. Look with me to John 21. John chapter 21. Ooh. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the grace and the love of a Savior. Mm. John chapter 21. John chapter 21, verse 9 through 19. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place. What kind of fire was it? Charcoal fire. The, the Gospel of John tells us, yeah, not wood. Tells us that it was a charcoal fire that Peter was standing around. I believe that the Word of God is very specific for a very important reason, and I'll tell you why in just a minute. They saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. He's already raised from the grave. Those that kind of aren't trekking with me. Jesus has rose from the grave. He's appeared to the disciples a few times. This time, he's out on the shore. They're doing what they did before him. He comes to them and says, hey, have you caught anything? No, try the other side. What he said to them the last time he met them at the sea. 
Try the other side. And they pulled up their nets, and there were so many that they couldn't contain, but they did not rip. Again, the same thing. He's saying, I'm still the same God I was then that I am now. So we're, we're here. Man, I'm, I'm like, <laughs> bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although, although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now that none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish, this was now the third time that Jesus had revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Let's lean in right here. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young and you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Oh, how wonderful is Jesus. I hope that while I was reading that scripture, your spirit man was already inside of you going, I know what he's fixing to say. I know what he's fixing to say. That Jesus came and met him at a place and built the same fire that was built at the place that he denied him. Why is that important, Pastor? Because charcoal smells very different than wood. So when you're at this fire and you're smelling the aroma of charcoal, I guarantee you anytime Peter smelled charcoal, he remembered the moment that he walked out on Jesus. And Jesus said, I'm going to take that aroma and that smell and I'm going to change that memory for you, son. I don't want you to live this life any longer thinking about that moment because I took it to the cross and it's gone. I haven't remembered it. You don't remember it. And he said, stand here. Come eat and dine around this fire that the aroma and the smell is the same as it was the day you walked out on me. For some of you in this room, I don't know what that aroma is. It might be ways you handled a family situation. It might be sexual relations you had outside of your marriage. It might be drugs or alcohol. It might be denying Jesus at your workplace. It might be a prodigal in the room that knew the greatest joys of living for Jesus. But at some point, at a round of a fire of denial that you ran blinded by shame and embarrassment, I don't know what that aroma is for you and what triggers that thing inside of you. But Jesus is saying today, I want to redeem it. I want to change it. I want to bring that sucker into the light, reveal it for what it truly is, and let's cast it in the pits of hell, and you walked away as a free person. Oh, I do not like the enemy. I don't know if you can tell in my, 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 the way I'm speaking today, because I know that there are so many that have smelled this fire and sat around it, and you wish you could take it back, and Jesus is saying, today, you can. Today, you can. Today you can. Jesus wants you to know he wants you to come and sit and dine with him. Those things the world used to take you out or cause you to deny him will redeem you. He will redeem it and you will be forgiven of all of them. 
Some today need to sit around the fire and realize that when you gaze into the eyes of Jesus, you're not looking into the eyes of disappointment. You're not looking into the eyes of I told you so or how dare you, but you're looking at a gaze of awe that one of the sons and daughters of our father has returned home. You're gazing into the eyes of love and real love, unconditional love. You're gazing into the eyes of the one that said, I paid it all for you. You are looking into eyes of love. Do not let the enemy tell you when you go sit down at that fire, you come to that altar today, he's going to look at you and smack you on the hand and say, why did you do that? No, he's going to say, I've been here and I've prepared a place for you. Come, come, come to me. Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You've been running with weight you shouldn't carry. You've been carrying a yoke around you that's been tied to the things of the world. And Jesus is saying, let me take that and you take mine. And then Peter denied him three times. Jesus restored him three times. Very specific that Jesus did that so that that way the enemy could never come back and say, well, you denied him three times, but you did not tell him you loved him, but twice. So obviously you deny him more than you love him. Obviously, not all things, and I love it about Jesus. That's why when he hung on the cross and said, it is finished, Jesus made sure every box was checked. Everything that had to be done, he did it, and he came back and did the same thing with Peter. He wants to do the same thing with you. I'm sure by the third time it was frustrating, but Jesus was not going to allow the enemy any foothold in Peter's life. And look at this. It says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Simon, son of John, do you love me? Can I tell you something? Jesus didn't come and say, Peter, do you love me? I don't know if y'all caught that when I was reading it, but he didn't say Peter. He didn't say, hey, Peter, do you love me? He said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Why did he do that, pastor? He wasn't speaking to his calling. He was speaking to his personal relationship that he had with him. I'm not talking to your calling today. I'm not talking to who everybody else thinks that you are. I'm talking to you today. I'm speaking your name, and I'm saying, hey, you, wake up, come, and be redeemed by Jesus. I am here. Do you love me? I'm here for you, not what everybody else thinks that you are. I'm here for you. He wants to give you restoration and redemption, all done on the cross. And I want to say this. I want to pause right here. I believe that this message is just as much for saints in the room as it is for anybody else. Peter was as close as you could get to Jesus, and he still denied him. So saint, do not sit in this room today and say, well, I'm glad, you ain't, I'm glad it's the Easter message and you ain't talking to me. No, I'm talking to you too. That there are things in our lives that we're allowing to hinder us from stepping into the things that he's asked us to be because we've denied him once or twice. Because we didn't step out in faith when he said, no, I'm calling you to this. And you said, no, it's more comfortable to do it this way. And because of that, you've walked in shame and disappointment and never fulfilled what God has asked you to step out into. And you don't want to come to the fire anymore because you don't want to disappoint or shame him. And he's saying, hey, I'm calling you to it. I'm calling you to it. Devontae, if you'll come up for me, bud. So there are two different fires in the room today. There is the fire of denial that many of us have set around. New believers, saint, it does not matter. We've set at a place where we've had the opportunity to deny Jesus and we've even ran from it. 
And today there is a fire that Jesus is saying, come so I can restore you. Come so I can give to you. Listen, Romans tells us in the book of Romans, the call of God is irrevocable. When he puts that thing on your life, you can't give it back. You can't spend all of your spoils and lose all of it. Jesus is saying, no, it's still there. It's still there. I did not make a mistake the first time. Jesus did not make a mistake. Because again, you fast forward to Acts, there's Peter preaching. The church was built off of Peter's message. But as I'm talking about this, I want to I focus on one more point of this story that just amazes me, that blows my mind more than the fires were the same or he called his name, any of those things today. And hang with me. There's a lot of people moving around and stirring if you can try to keep that minimal because a lot of eyes are looking away. And some eyes that have been locked in the whole time have unlocked. Don't unlock your gaze right now. Don't check out at 12.01 because you got rolls sitting out or a ham in the oven. Y'all can just say, well, thank you, Lord, for the redemption fire. It's at our house. And not, not, not a fire, but a burnt ham. Sorry. Not a fire. We're not thanking the Lord for fires at your home. And now we're back. All right. I made this statement to somebody this week. I made this very statement to somebody this week. It was a conversation that I had prior in the week, and then I made it again. It says, your testimony costs a lot. Your testimony costs a lot. Not only on the side of Jesus, but on your side as well. No one knows the shame. No one knows the embarrassment. No one knows the regret. And no one knows the weight of your sin. Not a single person in this room knows what you have carried. No one knows how much, you've, how much this testimony when you come back to Jesus has cost you. It's cost you years of wandering in the darkness. It's costed you years of being burdened by shame and missing out on opportunities to bring new people into the kingdom of God. It has cost you everything. And so when you hold your testimony, don't let people look at it and go, well, why do you think yours is better than mine? It's not that I think mine is better than yours. You just don't know how much it cost me. You have no clue how much this testimony cost me. The years of disappointment and shame and hurt and brokenness and lost, and you have no idea. The amount, of, the amount of men I couldn't find this in, the amount of women I couldn't find this in, the amount of jobs I couldn't find this in, the amount of, uh, of social status that I could not find this in, I have spent so much on this testimony, and Jesus wants to redeem it. I want to look up just a few verses in John 21, 4 through 8. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it. Now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple who Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard it, he put on his outer garment for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. Okay, that's cool. He went swimming. That's awesome. The other disciples came in the boat dragging the net full of fish for they were not far from the land but only about 100 yards. Those other disciples could have looked at Peter and been like, you are crazy. You have lost your mind jumping out of this ship when we're that close. To, you couldn't wait until there. And Peter's going, you have no idea how much I've wanted this moment again to look into those very eyes that looked at me that night 
You don't know the nights that I didn't sleep because I was so ashamed of the things that I had been in and I had done. You don't know. Don't judge me when I jump off the ship and go swimming to my Savior because you don't know how bad I want that embrace again. You don't know how bad I've yearned to look into those eyes and hear those words. You don't know. So if you're here today and you've been on the edge and you're like, ah, this is for me, jump. Don't look at the people around you. Don't look at the suits and the ties and the Easter eggs. Look at the fire and the one that's standing there calling you going, hey, I want to redeem you today. I want to bring it full circle so that I can look at the enemy yet. I just got out of hell and kicked doors down. I want to punch him in the face again. You don't know the cost. You don't know the shame and the hurt and the pain. So if you look at somebody with some side eyes when they jump, you better not do it around me. Because I'm going to throw you in too and be like, you need to swim over there. He's the only thing going to save you right now. They don't know the cost and the weight. When you get a glimpse of Jesus, don't worry about who's around you. You relentlessly pursue him. Don't sit and wait on the boat to make it back. He's waiting on you with redemption. He's waiting on you with your answer. Can I tell you why? Can I tell you why? I made this statement. Nobody in this room knows the weight of your sin. But 1 Peter 2.24 tells me he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. That we might die to sin and live to righteousness. But his wounds, but by his wounds we are healed. He knows the weight. He knows what it feels like to have the Father look away. He felt for a brief moment separation from the Father. And he looked up to heaven and said, My God, why have you forsaken me? He knew in that moment he experienced what every lost person is experiencing separation from the Father. He knows the weight, he knows the pain, he knows the hurt, he knows the shame. He felt it all. He carried it all. That's why we do what we do. That's why he's worthy. That's why he's wonderful. That's why he's good. That's why he is precious. That's why he's the eye, that he is the center of my affection. That's why I get up in the morning and go to sleep at night. That is why I do all that I can to pull as many to heaven as I possibly can, because there is one who is good. There is one that does not look at you and throw those things in your face and say, I will never allow you back in this place. There is one that built a fire for me one day and said, come, bring those things with you because I want to take them and let you know you are redeemed. And yet again, as I said before, I say again, follow me. Follow me. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Jesus made a statement on the cross. After he took the stripes, after he took the nails, after his side was pierced, after he felt separation from the Father, after the whole price was paid, no change, no extra cost that was going to carry over to something else, when it was all said and done, he hung on that cross and said, it is finished. I've done it all. I've paid the price so that now so many can come to a loving Father. Lord, right now in the room, there are people who are separated from you. They're so in the darkness of their shame and their hurt and their pain 
and they've ran because they're blinded by it. But today, God, you gave a message to this young pastor to just come and present and say, he ain't through with you yet. You've not done too much that the cost was always my life. And I willingly paid it. And today I want to redeem those, that, that denial fire. I want to make a new fire in your life. I want to restore some things to you. I want you to know that thing I called you to wasn't an accident. It wasn't an emotion. It was real. Lord, I don't care if they're in this room or they're, under, they're watching this on YouTube three weeks from now. This is a transformational word, God. That the enemy has lied and we have just revealed it. We have pulled the curtain back on him. Shame, you have to run. You, you were already conquered through the death of Jesus. And I thank you for that. Stir our hearts today, Jesus. Stir our hearts today, Jesus.